Good morning. It's good to see you here. Those of you who are here, I don't know where the rest of you are. It must be summer or everyone's into soccer. But you guys are faithful. You're recording the match. I guess, what's the score? 0-0 zero, zero still? 1-0 Mexico or Mexico? Wow. Thank you. This commercial announcement brought to you. Well, again, welcome here this morning. It's good to be here with you. Um, as many of you uh, who were here last week know, uh, I was down in La Paz in Mexico. And didn't Michael do an incredible job? I, I'll let him know that you clapped for him. He's not here. He's celebrating or they're celebrating their five-year anniversary. I think they got back today from Catalina, but... Um, yeah, I, I got to hear his talk as well as Alex's Wednesday. Alex did a, a magnificent job as well. And I was so encouraged coming back, flying on the airplane. I was just all teary-eyed and just struck, yes, these are my people. And I was, after Michael's talk, you know, everyone was applauding and I was applauding on the airplane. And everyone looked at me like I was weird. And I was like, yes, this is great. But one of the things that Michael shared that was so dear to my heart and so a part of our community is that idea of reconciliation. And I think he said, you know, there is judgment or reconciliation, but you can't have both. And the idea of reconciling the world to Christ. And, and as he even shared, you know, De- Denise was in Haiti and welcome back, Denise. Look forward. I haven't even talked to her yet about all that happened, but I look forward to hearing about what's happened in Haiti. Michael shared how he is going to the skate park and doing some work with the people there, actually helping them in their education, those who need help to get their GED and other things, and he's doing that. And I was in La Paz connecting with a handful of young people who I believe God is going to do an incredible work through. I was in La Paz in January at the Regional Pastors Conference, and I met these five uh, young people, and so I've been in contact with them online and decided to go down there and do a little conference. And as I connected with them once again, it was encouraging to see their desire to do more in their community. And so I'm looking forward to working with them. But all these areas that Michael spoke about, these are all things that people have just done. You know, Denise went to Haiti, and that's what she does. And so we have partnered with what God is doing in and through her. You know, one of our core values, and we're going to go through our five core values when we're Whenever we're through with Genesis, I haven't been able to let go of Genesis yet. But one of the core values is structure must always submit to spirit. And what that means is God works through people. God's spirit doesn't inhabit organizations. It, he inhabits people. And so what God is doing in people is what we want to be a part of. And so because... God is working in Denise, in Haiti. We have partnered with that work, and now we're building the cafeteria that's there at the St. Andre School. Because I desire to connect to these people in La Paz, work is going to take place with that. And I want you to know that, you know, 
these things that are taking place with Michael, Denise, or even myself and La Paz, these are things we are doing as individuals. Genesis didn't sponsor me to go to La Paz. It's something I desire to do. Genesis didn't sponsor Denise. It is something that she desired to do. Didn't sponsor Michael. That's something he's doing on his own. And I say that to encourage you. What do you want to do? Because God is going to work through you. And as we see God doing a work through you, then we can get behind and be supportive of that work because we are going to look like the work that God is doing in his people. And so I share those things with you just to let you know that that's the community that we live in. And it's great to see those things taking place. And the trip to La Paz was amazing. Uh, Got to really connect with five young people who I know God is going to do a work through. And I'll talk a little bit about it um, as I share later on, but... Really, my time there wasn't to do the conference that I did. It was to spend time with these people. At least that's what I believe. And as we invest in people, God invests in the world around us. And so that was very encouraging. Uh, A couple of things I just wanted to point out on our bulletin. The grassroots, we meet at 7 o'clock. The time isn't on there. Really, it doesn't get started till after 7.30, but 7 o'clock, if you get there, you can have some coffee, and we usually have some cookies, but that's the time that it starts. Also, with the baptism, if you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you to think about the moments in your life that have meaning, those moments that you remember because of events that have happened. And what moments do you have in your life that connect you to God and what God has done in your life? Let baptism be one of those memories. Let baptism be one of those times where you look back and you say, there's a memorial here of when I made the decision and I made a a public declaration to show the people around me, my family, even as Jillian said, that I am committed to Christ and this is my stepping into that faith and that symbol of that. Let baptism be that for you. So if you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to take part of that. And if you are going to be baptized, maybe sign up in the back just to get an idea how many people are going to be there. We're going to have some hot dogs and things. You can bring uh, one of your favorite dishes and we'll have a little party. So even if we only have a handful of people getting baptized, we'll have a good time. And so um, there, that's said. Okay, we are continuing through the book of Genesis. I didn't plan on staying in the book of Genesis this long, but there's so much good stuff here. It seems like every time I'm, okay, well, I'll skip, oh, I can't skip this. Oh, that's too important. And so we're in chapter 35. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Genesis chapter 35. If you need a copy, raise your hand, and Alex will get you a Bible. And as we're doing that, let's pause once again and pray and ask God's blessing on our time. Father, we once again have dedicated time to you. We pause and desire to hear your voice into our lives. Speak as we listen and allow this time to be enriched with your presence, enriched with your voice and fruitful in our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 35. It's 
a short chapter, but a lot happens. There are three deaths that are recorded here in this chapter. And so one of the themes of this chapter is dealing with this loss. Remember, we, we've spoken about Genesis that, and the scriptures in general that the Bible isn't an encyclopedia. It isn't here to just give you information. What we're going to read are stories. And in these stories, there is theological truth. In these stories, something is being revealed, but it's being revealed so in a way that we can emotionally connect to it. And so when we see something that is as important as the death of someone we love, we emotionally are drawn into that and we are able to get from these stories truths that are important that connect us to God. And so we're not just getting information, we're entering in to a story and from that learning the things about God and about ourselves. And so we're going to read through the chapter and then go back over some of the points in there. And so Genesis chapter 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Please get fashionable. No, I'm kidding. Then come, let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar and called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak outside Bethel. So it was named Alan Bekuth. After Jacob returned to Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at that place where God had talked to him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked to him Bethel. Then they moved from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephraim, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni. But his father named him Benjamin. 
So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day the pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Medgar Edgar. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. Jacob had 12 sons. The sons of Leah, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Iskar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin. The sons of Rachel's servant, Bali, Dan, and Naphtali. The sons of Leah's servant, Zilpah, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padam Aram. Jacob came home to his father Isaac and Mamre, near Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abram and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years. Then he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, old and full of years, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. And so in this chapter, we see the three deaths that occur. Every time that Jacob moved, there was another death. Every time he traveled, something of importance, an incident happened. And so often it is in that journey of life that we find that things happen. You know, there's a difference between a traveler and a tourist. A traveler is someone who goes someplace to be a part of something. You see, a traveler goes to Brazil and paints their face red, white, and blue and goes to the World Cup. A tourist avoids the traffic and takes pictures and buys postcards. And so many times our idea of traveling has changed to that of tourism. You know, you fly someplace and you're traveling over incredible beauty. You might travel over the Grand Canyon or or beautiful countries, but all you see is the plane that's there in front of you. Or maybe your iPad as you're watching a movie or something, you know, and our world has become so safe and so contained. And we start missing the idea of the journey. And we start living as tourists in this world. And our lives no longer are lives filled with interaction with the world. We are trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us to make as little incidents as possible happen. But it's in the journey that life takes place. It's in the time when we we move from maybe one place to another or when we are encountering different events. You know, when I was in La Paz this past week, it, it was an interesting journey. We were supposed to get there late Thursday night, but the flight into Mexico had to be diverted to another city. I don't even know the name of the city because of the weather in Mexico. We went and landed somewhere else. And it was like a small little place. We just landed. And we had to stay in the plane until the weather cleared in Mexico. So we were there for about an hour and a half. That's always fun. You know, just sitting on the tarmac, breathing other people's air. 
no more food, you know, I've eaten all my peanuts, you know. It's like, okay, this is all we have. And then finally, the weather cleared enough to go into Mexico. So we went into Mexico, and it was later, and so we missed our flight into La Paz. We were supposed to get there, but the flight had gone, and so we go into, and there's not a lot of flights going to La Paz. And so we're waiting in this line with everyone on our plane, trying to find out how do I get to where I'm supposed to go And finally, some people say, okay, yeah, the next flight to La Paz is tomorrow morning at 9.30. And we're like, okay, well, what do we do now? Okay, we'll put you up in a hotel. Okay, we'll get you a taxi to the hotel. Okay, can you get us some food too? Yeah, okay, we'll give you some, you know, thing for food. And so we get into a taxi and we drive for an hour to get to our hotel. I don't know why. We're passing hotels. Like, there's one, there's one, there's there's one. There's all these hotels, but we go, and it's a decent hotel. So we finally get there, and it's like 1 in the morning. In fact, it's 12.58. And we get there, and it's like, okay, yeah, we're here to check in our hotel. We give them our little voucher. And it's like, okay, they said there's like a buffet, a restaurant. Oh, it closes at 1. Ah. Oh. So we get to our rooms, Gabe and I are in our room, Jillian's in her room, and we raid the refrigerator. We have Pringles and Nestle's Crunch Bar. That's our dinner that we shared between us. And so we get up in the morning and then we go and we actually are able to eat, have breakfast and fly to La Paz and we get to La Paz. But when we get to La Paz, Gabe and my luggage don't follow us there. They're still in Mexico. And so we, we get to La Paz and it's like, yeah, your luggage is in Mexico because on your luggage it said it was supposed to be on an evening flight. Anyway, you know, we get there, but our luggage doesn't. And so then we get picked up from Brenda and, and her friend Gabby pick us up and they're taking us. Okay, yeah, let's get something to eat. And we're talking with them, kind of acquainting ourselves with them. You want to get some ice cream? Oh, yeah, so ice cream sounds good. So we go to a place to get some ice cream and then Brenda locks the keys in the van. Okay, because she was borrowing the van. And so we get the keys to the van and it's locked. And so it's about 90 degrees and about 120% humidity, you know. And so we're there and it's just, you know, kind of joking with her. And so her husband, Miguel, comes and breaks into the car so we can get in and so we can finally get to our hotel, even though we still don't have our luggage. And, And this is our Friday day going there and then saturday is the conference and friday uh, saturday i'm speaking at the conference i'm speaking at four different times and they wanted me to speak till six o'clock from 10 to 6 i only spoke till about 4 30 because i got tired of hearing myself talk i couldn't imagine them hearing me talk for all this time so i, I did the the four hours of conference time answered some questions and then sunday morning they had two services that they asked me to speak out so i spoke twice on sunday so i was kind of spoke out you know i i had spoken quite a bit and their services are at 12 and 7 which is kind of cool because we got to sleep in because i stay up late I don't know. Would you guys be up to like 12 o'clock? Sir? How many think 12 would be good? Come on. You guys don't even get here till 11. Okay. So we say 10 o'clock and you guys come straggling in at 1045. So anyway, I spoke twice on Sunday. And then Monday was going to be our day off. Monday was my day off. And I was kind of tired and was like, yeah, let's go to the beach. Let's just relax, have a good time. And again, I was really getting to know these young adults who 
God is doing some incredible things to them. And so, yeah, let's go to the beach. So the plans are set. We're going to go to the beach. We, we get in the, the truck and we start going. We're driving hours to find this beach because it's the spot. It's beautiful. We get there and there's like this windstorm on the beach. I mean, the wind is just pelting us with sand. It's like, yeah, this is wonderful. This is great. And they said, it's never like this. You know, it's, this is always beautiful. I don't know what happened. Well, we can stay here and, and get sandblasted or maybe we should go somewhere else. You know, we brought one of those pop-ups. There's no way it would have been a kite, you know. And so we said, okay, well, we know this other spot in Santiago. There's this freshwater waterfall. Oh, it sounds beautiful. We haven't really experienced the water yet. You know, we experienced sand and heat and humidity. And so we get back in the truck, you know, and, and the truck is a bit warm. You know, the three of us are in the back seat and it's like your legs are touching and it's like sweaty, you know, and you're just like, okay. And, and it, it was an experience. And finally we, we get into this place, Santiago, and we need to get gas there because we need gas. But the gas station in Santiago, the power is out, so they're not able to give us gas. So we are out of gas in this place called Santiago, and we're waiting. And so we wait for about another hour and a half, sitting at the gas station, drinking what water we have, eating the melted trail mix that's there. And then Gabe had bought some mangoes, and so he's like mangoing it up. He's just going for it. And finally, we siphoned some gas out of some, one of the other trucks to fill up enough tr- gas to get to a gas station, but we never make it to the waterfall. We saw a nice picture of it, but we never made it there. And so then we drive back. And so the whole day is just driving in Mexico in desert. In fact, you know, Brenda's going, see the nice cactus we have here? Yeah, those are lovely. They look like those cactus we just passed an hour ago. That's wonderful. And finally, we get back into town and we get to our coffee shop and we finally have some time. But you know what? That time was probably something that knit our hearts together with these people more than anything else. We looked back, we laughed, we teased them. Thank you. You showed us the beautiful La Paz. You know, it looks like a truck, you know. And we enjoyed the company and the conversation more than we did the scenery. And you see, traveling is engaging into the world around us. And what we have in Jacob's story is on each journey, something takes place that impacts his life. And so many times our spiritual journey, we, we, we don't recognize this, but I think it's true. A lot of us, we approach our spirituality. We want the benefits of a relationship with God, but we don't want the journey of a life with God. We want to, I want God to be a part of my life, but I don't journey with him. I just want to be a tourist in this spiritual realm. I, I'll go to church, I'll take some pictures, but I don't want to have to actually get my feet dirty. I don't want to actually have to sweat. I don't want to actually experience all the, the ups and downs that, life has but here's a news flash that i know you're all aware of you can't escape life's up and downs right have you realized that by now if you haven't warning life is going to happen are you going to journey through it or are you going to step back and be living in denial of it Because there's no way you can get through life without having those things. To experience the benefits that come 
with the spiritual journey, there has to be the effort in it. There has to be that traveling with God. And, and that's what we see here. We see Jacob's story and we see the rigors and the epiphanies on this spiritual journey. And each time he moves, it ends with death. And that's why we'd rather be tourists because we don't want to experience those difficult things. But you see, an open heart is going to have a lot of wounds. That's just what happens in the travel. And as he goes up to Bethel. This is the place where he first experienced God. And Bethel was the place where he was surprised by God. God's presence was made known to him. He wasn't looking for it, but God showed up in his life. And all of a sudden he was amazed. And so he called the place Bethel, which means the house of God. But now he had to, with intention, go back to the place. Now it wasn't an accident. Now God wasn't surprising him. Now God was telling him, you need to go back. And maybe there's an event in your life that you had an encounter with God and maybe it was something that was rich. It was powerful. It meant something to you. And you look back at that place and say, oh, that was wonderful. And you want that to happen again. But you see, to get back to Bethel now, you have to go there. It's not going to just happen to you. You have to make the journey there. And so God tells him, you need to go back to Bethel and you need to build an altar there. In other words, you need to make something sacred, a a symbol of your connection with God, an act of making this something that is between you and God. And the act of making an altar is also an act of prayer. The pouring out of water and the pouring out of oil, it's an offering to God, it's a prayer to God. And so now you need to journey to this place and you need to make the connection to God. Because he's made the connection to you and now he's asking you to journey with him. He's asking you to do the traveling. And to be a part of that. And so Jacob goes. And as he's going, he's telling his family, okay, get rid of the foreign gods. All those things that you've treated as God, but they're not. All those things that you've dedicated your life to, but they're not God. Put those aside. And this is supposed to be a special occasion. That's why he says, change your clothes. It's like, make this something special. You're you're going to a wedding, yet you put on the good clothes. Put on your nice shoes. Why? Because it's a special occasion. Make this something special. And he's asking them to to take their life and to put it into position where they can recognize the uniqueness and the power that God has for them. Asking them to go and make this journey, to build this altar to God, And it says, the God who has been with me wherever I have gone, in verse 3. And this is how we should look at this spiritual journey that we're on. Not as a quest that we begin to find the holy or the sacred, but the holy and sacred should be in the very lives that we live. See, Jacob realized that God has always been with me. Oh, I encountered him at Bethel. There was that time where he... Countered me, surprised me in that dream, and and I was aware of God's presence. But now looking back, he's been with me 
all along, every step of the way. So my life isn't just, oh, I'm going to go to a place and maybe God will meet me there. No, God is going to journey with me. He's been with me wherever I've gone. It's whenever progress is made in God that we see that he is with us. It's spiritual because God is there. Being a follower of Christ isn't an achievement. Look at I've become a Christian. It's a process. It's a journey that we travel. It's not just a place that we visit. And so Jacob is realizing that God has been with him all throughout this journey. Even when he was at his uncle Laban's and got connived, got deceived. Even when there was those struggles and he had to flee his uncle because of the contention. God has been with me. Even when his sons did the wicked things that they did in Shechem. God has still been with me and shown me favor. And so we see that this journey is taking place and that God is with him. And as they travel, we see that there is the first encounter, the first move, and there's the first death. The pain is a powerful incentive for learning, and it's a motive for transformation. God works in and through our losses. And this first story of Rebecca, that's is Jacob's mother's nurse, is the revelation of the idea of death taking place in this chapter. And as this happens to him and them, and the, the family is aware of this day, death, it's a, an understanding of the losses that are going to be in our lives. But you see, it's at those times of loss that there's the revelation. It's at those times uh, of struggle that becomes the epiphany, the presence and awareness of God. Have you ever had one of those moments where life hits you in the chest and it knocks the wind out of you? Those moments where your knees buckle because of the incident that's happened. And, and all you can do is cry, Oh God, because nothing else seems to connect. Nothing else makes sense. Whether you believe in God or not, it seems incidental. The only thing you could say is, oh God. And when those experiences happen, when those times hit and you cry out, oh God, have you ever experienced that through those times, your life is transformed and changed, that your life direction moves. And it's at those times where the most influence takes place in your journey. And maybe you're unaware that it's God working in and through you. Maybe you're unaware that even in the difficulty or the tragedy that you face, that there is a revelation of God being there. Because you cannot get through this alone. Because this is too much for me. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to move forward. You find out that someone you love has cancer. You find out that there's a circumstance. You lose your job. You find out a tragedy of someone in your family. And all of a sudden, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to go on. But life does go on. The journey continues. And then you find yourself being shaped by that journey. And those are often the times where God shows up. 
Those are the times when God makes himself known and says, I'm here and I care and I want to journey with you. And have you ever been surprised by God? And maybe it's at those times. And if not, you know, what I I fear happens so many times is we just become deaf to the voice of God. And when life takes place, the good and the bad, we don't hear the voice of God working in us. We don't see the journey that we're on. We're, we're trying to be distant from it. We want just postcards. We just want photographs. We don't want to actually experience life. And so we distance ourselves. And pretty soon the voice of God becomes fainter and fainter where we don't recognize and hear it. And what a tragedy it is to live a life without the awareness of God with us. What a tragedy to have to go through loss and not have the comfort of God there. God works in and through our losses. We have to go through the pain or the grief. And if we try to try to dodge or deny or repress those things, try to escape it, we sabotage our growth. And we become deformed. We become distanced. We, we, we become addicted. We, we, be, we find other things to connect to because we can't connect to the life around us. And so we find other ways to check out. Why? Because we're trying to not deal with these things that are around us. The spiritual journey isn't about keeping the faith, guarding our fragile belief. It's about growing in faith. Remember, faith, there's nothing safe about faith. Faith in its definition is risk. And so this journey is filled with the risk. And then we go on to the next move. And we see that God again shows up They moved in verse 16 to Bethel. And we see that his wife, Rachel, begins to give birth, but she dies during childbirth. And as she's giving her last breath, she names her son Ben-Oni, which means son of my trouble. But Jacob renames him and calls him Benjamin, which means strength of my right arm. But once again, we see the loss. We see that in this travel, there is a problem. Life happens. Rachel dies. She's buried. And remember when Jacob first encountered Rachel, he he had to move the stone away for the well. Now she dies and he sets up stones as a pillar, as a memorial to remember her by. A memorial so she would not be forgotten because she was important. And here, the message regarding death in the chapter becomes the most clear, that it's not just an end, but it's also the beginning. Something is lost, but something is gained. He lost his wife, but he gained a new son. And in our travel and in our journey through life, you are going to encounter loss. There are things you're going to lose, maybe people, but there are also things that you're going to gain. Are you able to move forward with those things or will you be defined by your losses? Will you allow life to define you by the tragedy and the structures that happen to you 
or will you make life happen? You see, he could have had a son that was named the son of my trouble, but he didn't want to live there, so he changed his name to be the strength of my right arm. He's not going to let this moment define his future. He's going to define his own future. Is life defining you or are you going to define what your life will be? Are are the things that happen to you going to mark you and make you who you are or will you become who you want to be through those events that happen in your life? Because you're traveling. Your journey, and it's up to you to make those journeys and to make those decisions. When we go through Jacob's genealogy, his sons, the tribes, later on we see Esau's in chapter 36, but at the end of this we see that Jacob comes back to his father, Isaac, and then Isaac dies. He was full of years, him and his brother Esau. And we see that once again, this life has the opportunity for continued growth and learning. The promise of God was going to continue with Jacob. It didn't die with Isaac. And so some things to remember by... It's getting warm in here, isn't it? Is the air conditioner on? You know what? Someone, oh, that one's on. Is that one on behind you? It is. We're doing all we can, people. Hold your breath. I'm almost done. Some things to conclude with is that this journey is an opportunity for continued growth and learning. Your life is a journey for you to continue growing and learning. Remember the moments when God surprises you with his awareness of himself and make those journeys toward him again. Make the intention that I am going to go back to the place where I can encounter God. I am going to dedicate my journey. I'm going to get rid of the things, the the foreign gods. I'm going to put aside the idols, those things that have acted or taken the place of God in my life. And I'm going to, with intention, move back towards God and allow him to be God in my life. Make the journey. Move back towards that place. Make memorials, pillars in your life, reminding you of how important life is and God's hand upon you through it all. You are going to need those pillars. You are going to need those memories. You are going to have to remember the time when God showed up in your life because there's going to be times where his voice seems silent and distant, where it seems far away. There is going to be the things that, again, buckle your knees and all you will have is the memory of what God has done and you will have to hold on to those things by faith. So don't neglect to build those pillars. Don't neglect to build the altar to God that reminds you of when God was close, when God surprised you, when God showed up. And again, maybe baptism is one of those moments. Maybe a time where you bowed your knee and prayed and asked God to make himself known to you. Maybe a time where he touched and healed you or or touched your heart and dealt with your sin. 
And that becomes a memorial in your life that says, this is when God encountered me. This is when I heard from God. And remind yourself of those places because there's going to be times when that is all you have. When the journey brings you to a place of despair or loss. Remember that life is bigger than death. That changing the name of your future is possible. Don't let something that has happened to you define you. You define it. I'm not going to be Ben Omi. I'm not going to be a son of my trouble. I am going to show the future has strength. I am going to make it different. I will not be defined by the tragedy in my life. I'm not a tourist in this journey. I'm a participant. I am going to go. I'm going to get my feet wet. I am going to build the life that I want in spite of the things that happen to me. So many of us are paralyzed when tragedy happens. And we think it's a surprise But Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And he said, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Does that mean that the the problems won't happen? No, he says that there is purpose in your life. Do you see your life's purpose? Or are you just a tourist taking pictures, buying postcards? Quick, I want to drive an air-conditioned bus and get from one place to the other. Take courage. In spite of all that happens, God is at work. Don't let life define you. You define your life. You see, God is speaking to you, but only you have the ability to hear the voice that he gives to you. And through those experiences, God's voice can be clear. He answers a question or he meets a need in your life so that you know you're not abandoned. He shows up. Train your heart to listen. We talked a few weeks ago about inquiring of the Lord and setting time aside. You need to make that effort. You need to train yourself in the Lord. You see, you have an identity and you are traveling on a spiritual journey, make your journey happen. Don't be a tourist in life. Don't allow things to define you. You with intention define what your life will be. Because Jacob had to become someone else. He had to become Israel. And when God says, I am the Lord Almighty, that's not supposed to be just an identity. That's not supposed to be just a a word. God Almighty is to be someone who now becomes a part of our life. So turn Almighty from a doctrine into a person. The God who has revealed himself is now the God who is with me. And God gives his identity to Jacob. God wants to give his identity to you. 
and to me. He wants to take you from being Jacob, which means, you know, one who catches the heel or one who manipulates to being Israel, one who is governed or struggles with God. Make the journey. Travel with him and allow his life to start to define your life. Don't be a tourist in life. Let's pray. Lord, there are so many things that happen to us that would try and take the wind out of our sails. There there are so many incidents that we can recollect where It'd be so easy to stop and to check out. And maybe we have. Lord, maybe we have checked out of life and we are moving through it detached. We have attached ourselves to to other things, to foreign gods. We, We have looked towards other things to satisfy us. And maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's something that we go to Because this is where we find our comfort. Instead of going to you where we can find our strength. And so I pray, Lord, that we would have an encounter like Jacob did at Bethel. That we would recognize that this is the place of God. This is the house of God. That we would be surprised by your presence. That we would be aware of it. And maybe for the first time there would be a, a, a voice that speaks into our soul and says, I am the Almighty and I want to take you from where you're at to a place where you can live. A place where your life has purpose and meaning and where... Life matters. And Lord, maybe we're at a place where that did happen once, but it was a long time ago. And all we have is a memory. And may we move with intention back to Bethel. May we move back to that place where we know you are. May we make the journey. May we get rid of the things that would stop us. And may we travel with you and see that all along you have been traveling with us that you have been near to us. And may we take the tragedies in our lives, those things that would be sons of trouble, that would cause the the problem in our life, and may we not be defined by those things, but may we take that name and give it a new name. May it now be an opportunity for strength, an opportunity for growth, and I will not be paralyzed by life. I will not be a victim. I will not be a tourist in my own life. I am going to journey with you, and I am going to make my my life of value. I'm going to have strength. I'm going to allow you to be my strength. And whatever happens, I am committed to the God who is almighty, the God who has given me his identity. Lord, I choose to follow after you. I want the name that you will give me. I want to be defined by my life that is in you. Lord, may we take these stories, these tragedies and learn from them how Jacob moved on, how Jacob changed into Israel, how you began to give him a new name and a new life. Lord, may we have your name and may we have your life. 
We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.